0: Hello and welcome back to A Method to the Madness, the weekly podcast where we discuss, analyse and otherwise ponder our favourite films and television. Today I'm your host, Mitchy, and joining me as usual is my lovely co-host, Patrick. How are you today?
1: Oh, I'm good, man. Thanks, thanks for calling me lovely. I never get called that. Oh yeah. yeah. No, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm doing good, man. Um, the world is no less on fire than it was the last time, so yeah, that's what's happening.
0: On fire, jeez. I mean, literally well, in some places, yeah. <laughs> but yeah.
1: <laughs> Not as much as it was... Wait, when was the fire?
0: Wait, which fire? The Australian fire. You, you, you say it with a singular, like there was only one fire. There was like a million fires. You're talking about the bushfires? Yeah. Yeah, for those international listeners, Australia was struck by a series of terrible bushfires back in January this year, and that kicked our kick-started our year off, which is now known as the Devastating 2020. Yeah, it's
1: just been one thing after another this year. Yeah,
0: it's been weird, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, today our podcast is going to be a Midsummer special, funnily enough, because it's on the movie Midsummer. What? Yeah, (laughs) funnily enough, right? Um, Which is Ari second film after his wonderful but slightly freaky first film, Hereditary. If you've seen that, give it a watch. Um, just so you know, we're going to be sporting that movie as well. And this movie stars Florence Pugh and... Jack Renner. Jack Renner. That's it. The bloke. The guy I don't like in it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Also,
1: it's, it's really funny that the flowers are a huge motif in this film and the main actress's name is Florence.
0: Yeah. I didn't know Florence was a flower until you said that to me. <laughs> I just thought it was a city in Italy. Well, that too. Anyway. Yeah. Um, before I get on to the plot summary, shall you give us our opinion on the movie, Patrick?
1: Oh yeah. Well, uh, man, this movie is so good. As with Hereditary, this—well, I mean, I just mean Hereditary is also good. What I love about this movie, though, it's—is it, it makes me, or it did make me, very severely uncomfortable. Mm. So much so that I had to watch it in two sittings. Um, and you know what? That's—that just says something to. Ariasta's like horror abilities. Not that he made me on un- like scared in terms of like terror. He just made me uncomfortable in terms of like the human conflict. Yeah. That's how fucking good this movie is, man. Yeah. Um, and you know that just speaks to how great his character work is. Also in Hereditary, that is like more than the premise or the plot. I just loved the characters. They are so real. I I hardly I hardly see character work like this, and yeah, it just kind of reminds me of. Some people I know in my actual life, and uh, by far the biggest thing about this movie that I like is the portrayal of psychedelics. It is the most accurate yeah, portrayal I've ever seen because usually it's like super wacky, abstract shit where people think if you if you take mushrooms you, you go into space or something, and you like your whole environment like changes and I don't know, <laughs> like yeah, it, like it yellow seems submarine like, shit. Yeah, it seems like this is this filmmaker and these actors are like, you know, they, they. it seems like they actually have experience in this department, uh, which is great. And also just the fact that this is like a horror film set mainly in the day, which is like super unique. So I love all of that. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's definitely one bit I love about this film. Mm. Um, yeah, I love this film as well. We yet to do a bad film. We keep doing good films. And <laughs> like you said before, Pat, 2019 is actually a really good year for film. Yeah, dude. So good. Just so much good shit. And this is definitely one of those good films. I love the fact that it is set during daytime. And again, it also makes me feel uncomfortable as well. I'm, as just as just so you guys know, I'm terrible with horror films. I'm actually really bad at watching them. I say that with complete honesty. I cannot watch a horror film to save <laughs> my life.
1: I can vouch for you being a pussy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, thanks. How? We-
1: <laughs> <laughs> when we played Slender at your house. <laughs> Slender. Oh, right. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. yeah. That shit's scary. <laughs> yeah.
0: Fucking hor- Just, I can't do it, eh? Like, there's something about horror films that, like, if it's gore and people dying to very, like, human causes, like a psychopath, I'm fine with that. But when it comes to this supernatural shit and seeing shit in mirrors, which Asta seems to have a uncanny fucking knack for doing um yeah. I, I just freak out and then every time i'm in the mirror i fucking think i'm gonna see something behind me it's just like it's almost a irrational fear that i feel more which is interesting really when you brush your teeth do you like purposely not look in the mirror yeah uh, well, yeah because i do that too <laughs> sometimes yeah it freaks me out there's like there's yeah. that there, there's a horror film called mirror i think and it's just about like just scary shit in mirrors basically <laughs> i've only seen the trailer i'm never watching the film but like honestly the trailer was enough to put me off mirrors for such a long time i mean mirrors are a little bit creepy anyway i think everyone can agree yeah. with that anyway on to the plot summary which is a fairy tale of psychedelics menstrual beverages and lots of murder so the narrative of midsummer is similar to a fairy tale the female protagonist suffers a grave loss and travels far away for some hope of metamorphosis, ending with a cathartic coronation to become a queen. Of course, this fairy tale is certainly not one you would hear as a child or give to your children. Like in, well, actually, many fa- fairy tales are based up on re- based on really fucked up things, so I guess it could be. Like in many fairy tales, the grave loss of our protagonist, who is Danny, is the death of a mentally ill sister and her parents. It's clear from the onset of this tragic event that she is quite severely traumatized, but she's sort of harboring her depression from her friends, and especially from her negligent and highly contemptible boyfriend, Christian, who's acted by Jack Renal. And Danny is Florence Pugh, by the way. Much to Christian's disappointment, Danny travels with him and his friends to visit an incestuous, secluded community, the Haga, in the far north of Sweden during their once in a 90 year Midsummer Festival. The Haga are ostensibly quirky but pleasant, with strong ties to old pagan rituals. Danny and her friends experience their first culture shock when witnessing an etestapa, a ritual of senicide, where the elderly who are unable to support themselves brutally commit suicide by throwing themselves off a cliff. The dismay Danny undergoes from this experience begins to emotionally push her away from Christian. Meanwhile, Christian is targeted by a younger female villager who has intentions of mating with him, feeding him her pubic hairs and menstruation to make him fall in love with her. Gradually, each visitor mysteriously disappears, clearly being abducted and presumably killed by the Haga. Danny participates in the Maypole Dance, a folk dance testing stamina where the last person standing is crowned as a May Queen. With the trusty help of Psychedelics, Danny unwittingly wins and is crowned a May Queen. Again with the trusty help of Psychedelics, Christian is semi-forcibly made to have ritualistic sex with the Haga girl. Danny catches him in flagrante and finally detaches completely from Christian. After finishing, Christian is paralysed by the elders. We then skip forward to the final meeting of the festival where 9 members are to be sacrificed, one of which the May Queen has to choose. Danny, the May Queen selects Christian for sacrifice, who is subsequently sewn into the skin of a bear and placed in the ominously yellow sacred building, along with his four murdered friends and four volunteers of the Haga. The building is set ablaze and Christian is burned to death. Danny watches on along with the villagers, having a moment of catharsis before finally moving on from her anguish. Leaving us with a brilliant smile. The end. Beautiful. Hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> by the by the way, I love in that end scene where that dude gives like one of the hugging people some something to like numb his pain and then when he gets caught on fire he starts screaming yeah.
0: like <laughs> Yeah, what was that about? It's <laughs> Did nothing. Obviously not a painkiller at all then. Like they yeah. lied? I don't know.
1: <laughs> Maybe he was just hoping the
0: placebo would kick him. <laughs> Yeah, if placebo was that good, that'd be fucking great. You're set on fire and you can't feel <laughs> shit. Jesus. <laughs> that'd be pretty fucked. So, um, if you've seen Hereditary, and spoilers for Hereditary coming up, alarm, whatever, beep beep. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, uh,
1: That's the spoiler horn. Yeah, the spoiler <laughs>
0: horn, beep beep. Um, Yeah, if you've seen Hereditary, it's kind of a confusing movie. Ariaster is known to be a confusing director and he's actually admitted that himself. He likes to confuse his viewers and to be honest when I first watched Hereditary and I haven't watched it a second time because I'm too scared to watch it again but when I first watched Hereditary I kind of didn't really know what was going on and I had to read a couple of reviews and finally kind of got what the whole point was which is ostensibly just a classic horror movie where someone was just trying to get the devil in them. Well not the devil but one of the demons from hell and this one is a little bit kind of a little bit more easier to follow it's at face value the plot is very very simple it's simply the Hager of fucked up Swedish people that like to have sex with each other and they just kill foreigners as they come in kind of use them as mating tools and in this ritual that they have every nine years they just burn a bunch of them so it's really like just a typical cult horror movie. But it's what it says internally, or the motifs that are kind of pop up in the movie that will make this movie really good. The kind of face value horror in it is nice, but it's not definitely the power of the movie. Mm. So before we move on to a breakdown of what we want to talk about, let's talk a little bit about Swedish history and culture, because I don't know anything about Sweden, to be honest.
1: Sorry, you don't know anything? Nah, do you? I mean, other than, like, the, the Scandinavian uh, myth of Yggdrasil, the, the world tree, I know nothing. What's that, Yggdrasil? Yggdrasil, oh no, sorry, Yggdrasil is uh, this, like, I don't know, I think it it's analogous to the hierarchy of, like, heaven, earth, and hell, I think. Right. Um, It's just like, you, have, you ever seen the first Thor movie? Yeah, of course. like that bit where Thor's talking about all the nine realms and how they're connected. It's pretty much
0: that. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. And they use a tree to represent that.
1: Yeah, yeah. To represent like the connectedness of all these worlds and stuff.
0: Yeah, interesting. Okay. And that's a Scandinavian thing, is it?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty big deal over there, I think.
0: Right. Interesting. That's probably why they use a tree as a symbol for the dead or whatever when Old Mate pisses on it. Yeah. I guess that's kind of an allusion to that, maybe even though the tree was dead, but still.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's probably some symbolism there, but um, I don't know, what, like what? Because the tree is felled. It's meant to represent the skewed nature of this Swedish culture.
0: Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Actually, that's probably a pretty good interpretation. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, because I couldn't think of anything else. Anyway, um, well, let's talk about the things that are obviously in the movie. The first one I want to touch on is the very brutal... Sorry, in my opinion, I believe it's the most brutal scene, which is the Pass scene, where where basically the old people throw themselves off cliffs to commit suicide because they're too old and, you know, no one wants to look after old people, so they should just all go and kill themselves. That's basically the idea behind it. I mean, what, what do you think of that scene? It, it was pretty brutal, right? It was fucking gnarly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a gnarly scene. Like, it was fully unexpected as well. Like,
1: Yeah, I, j- I love that they they showed the impact movies have this trope of like cutting away right before the impact and then implying it by like a blood splatter like next to it or something and
0: a really loud bludgeon yeah
1: yeah this just showed her face being caved in (laughs) and it was so cool yeah it
0: was it was good it was good special effects like it must have you know i don't know how they did it but it was a real thing, that's for sure. It wasn't it mm. wasn't CGR or anything, I don't think. Yeah,
1: it was it was detailed.
0: Yeah, I, I reckon it was like yeah. actually a piece of meat they threw off a fucking cliff and just yeah, let it smash. Um <laughs> Yeah, fuck, that was brutal. And yeah, I don't get why old mate didn't throw himself off head first though. Like yeah, what a dickhead. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like one job, mate. You gotta kill yourself, throwing yourself <laughs> off. So what do you do? You land on your feet and then break your leg. Yeah. Anyway, um so Unfortunately, maybe, for some people, or fortunately for others, Atestapa is not actually a real thing. It is legend in Sweden, or Scandinavia as whole. There's a couple of cliffs in uh, Sweden named Atestapa, and it's attributed to this idea that old people used to throw themselves off it, but there's actually zero historical evidence that it ever happened. So it's kind of kind of cool, really, that Arias d- done a little bit of research into something that's probably not very well known in world culture at all, this idea, yet he puts it into the movie because and, and bases it off some old fables from Swedish history. It's it's well researched. I think it's quite cool. Hmm. Um, the term does get thrown around though actually nowadays for the kind of abuse of old people. Um because I guess that's what a, test of a represents is a death of old people. People use it now in Swedish politics to represent any kind of degradation of old people's rights or whatever. Right. Yeah, which find quite interesting another thing is i mean one thing that is real though in this movie like as in it's based on real history is the runic alphabet used in it so all the symbols that are on various things in this is actually legit it was used at some point in swedish culture the r-looking rune that actually gets written on danny a lot represents journey and that obviously makes sense because she's going through a journey an hourglass symbol that's used on her as well it's kind of represents awakening or enlightenment which is she's eventually to have it's 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 kind of cool there's all these little details in it that you can look for and they actually work and match and makes a lot of sense and one final thing is the whole idea of Midsummer. now Midsummer is actually a very popular event in Europe as a whole but especially Scandinavia and a lot of the things that they do in this film is actually kind of something they do still in Scandinavian countries bar the whole drinking period and killing people's stuff.
1: <laughs> as far as we know.
0: As far as we know, yeah. There might be some Haga cult in the North they, of Sweden. They might have just knows. killed
1: every anthropologist that tried to come and write this down.
0: <laughs> yeah, true. That's yeah. actually a good point. <laughs> Maybe Ariasta was the only one who survived. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, he's just
1: trying to spread this message to the world, like, but everyone's like, oh, what a cool movie. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah. So one big thing that they do in Sweden now is dancing around a maypole. They actually still do that, and they have big white tables and shit around a maypole and eat and drink and go for a merry dance. I don't know about the psychedelics, but I'm pretty sure there's definitely some people in Sweden that would probably do psychedelics and dance around a maypole. So in that way, it's kind of like relatable. Really, it's not. It's not really that bizarre. A lot of this stuff in this movie It's just actually based on real culture
1: um and the maple represents like fertility is it?
0: yeah yeah so so yeah and that's why they dance around and whoever lasts the longest is the strongest and that's obviously a good thing in terms of and fertility
1: that's why it's all women i'm supposing
0: yeah yeah i'm not sure about the whole women thing in real swedish culture whether they actually you know have men dancing around or not but yeah in this movie certainly
1: and what what is the purpose of midsummer as a whole as a festival
0: Literally just celebrating the longest day of the year. Yeah, just, uh, just an excuse to
1: have fun, just like every other yeah holiday. Basically. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I mean, it. it and it, what I like about midsummer is like it's it's so pagan. It's it's a pagan thing that's based on something very natural, which is simply the longest day of the year. I mean, a lot of our a lot of our holidays we have now, at least in Western society that we live in, it's based on kind of things that haven't. They're not really based on nature. They're kind of based on commerce kind of things yeah yeah commerce the past history like a lot of its religious based, like easter and christmas the biggest holidays of yeah. the year are uh, literally just based on what old mate jesus did 2000 years ago but it's not based on nature at all and what i like about like these pagan rituals is like it's just based on something fundamental that we all experience and it's like celebrating nature in a sense rather than something about some bloke i don't yeah. care about very pastoral yeah very pastoral that's a good word for it
1: What does that it's mean? so good. What does that mean? Eight, eight, we're what? Like
0: eight left. <laughs> <laughs> What's your interpretation of this movie, Pat? What, what would you like to speak about today? In your review, Michi, your your uh, blog review, mm.
1: you mentioned how uh there's some possible undertones of these Hargian people reflecting like Right-wing isolationist ideals. Yeah, that have recently been brewing in contemporary Sweden.
0: Actually, Ari- aster said that himself as well. That's not speculation. Right. Yeah. So, like the yeah, yeah, yeah. the inbred guy in it, he's kind of representing the close-mindedness of Sweden because he's obviously inbred and they're bred from internally, right? Hmm.
1: Honestly, I I didn't really it didn't really occur to me that this film was at all talking about politics until like literally earlier today it kind of struck me that like um all the foreigners are kind of embody these like you know like leftist ideals the, the, which is a bit of a, like a, a vague vagary as uh, we were discussing earlier but just for the sake of this analysis let's just like let's just use that term so th- there is this thing called uh call out culture or it's also called outrage culture. It's a popular practice of withdrawing supports. Oh no, sorry. So call out culture is a form of like public humiliation or like shaming, usually done over social media where you hold someone accountable for like stuff they've done in the past or, or just like action that someone would perceive as like offensive or something. You, You basically like call them out and like kind of just stomp out any like credits or merits that they that person might have which is a good thing you know don't get me wrong like people need to be held accountable for their actions but there's this there's been this like problem recently in in this culture where people love a good crusade right Mm. uh they, they they love that shit and i think mostly young people college students they like to feel that they're you know putting good into the world and of course i'm generalizing and i'm not saying that all people in this culture do this but there is this it is a pretty big thing that people see something that triggers something in their like in their ideals or personality and then they just judge them really hard without thinking or reflecting on you know like the circumstances around that yeah
0: yeah
1: and think that they they are in the right and they have done something right and it contributed some good to the world and then that's all that needs to be done yeah and this is a real problem and obama actually has I, in my research early today, Obama has this great little speech where he, he talks about this problem of uh of of wokeness and woke culture and stuff. And he says that yeah, like young people think that being really judgmental is enough. That that if they if they call someone out on this, they can just like if they they just equate them to like being a Nazi and just call them an awful person and they can just sit back and be content knowing that they did good. So it's interesting to see in this film that especially the British couple mm that are so obstinate in their ideals that yeah as as i said like they they see something that doesn't sit right with them and then they don't they don't really take the time to reflect on it or question it they just go that's bad you're all fucked and doesn't that sound like <laughs> that what the british guy says when he witnesses the a tetspa yeah like at, you know as an as an audience like Obviously this is everyone's fucking acting calm and normal like these people jump off it's a ceremony that's what they that's what they do mm. and then this british dude's like you're all fucked what the fuck are you doing uh, he's like kicking up a fuss and everyone's like dude please like calm down like yeah and you know it, uh, uh, as an audience or at least for me I was looking at this dude like dude what the fucking dickhead just like but like do you do you not see everyone else is calm and
0: in his defense uh, like, it was shocking though it was yeah i mean i mean we're not used to seeing fucking old people throwing themselves off cliff and getting smashed on a rock yeah but Um, like but afterwards he still doesn't accept it yeah yeah yeah. even after he's calmed down yeah and
1: uh the film doesn't really explore this in much depth but i just thought it was weird i i this stood out to me because i get like i think it's from the acting just and again it just speaks to how well these these actors are but um it's just something very reflective of of like attitudes I see in real life can you speak to this at all
0: yeah well we definitely do that I mean we've done it all through history I mean and it's hard to say like whether it's morally or right or not to kind of judge another culture because what if something that another culture is doing is bad you know like we do have standards of moral all throughout humanity you know like, you shouldn't murder someone out of cold blood for no reason. And that, I think everyone can agree on that, no matter who you are. Yet, in some cultures, they do something that might be, like, tantamount to murder, but it's not really. Like, an example is, um in India, back in the past, uh, before British colonization, well before, they, um, basically, whenever the husband of a couple would die, it was obligation for the wife to kill themselves with them, and they'd... I don't can't quite remember how it would work, but I'm pretty sure the male was cremated and basically the wife of that male would sit in the thing with him and die alive, burned to a crisp. And the British came along and during the colonization era and they said that's fucked and they outlawed it all across India. And of course the Indians don't do it anymore, but the British actually had the mentality of just outlawing it because they saw it as a bad thing. Now to me, I don't like the idea of that as well. I disagree with it because I don't think, you know, you should be obliged to kill yourselves just because your partner did. I mean, you have a right to live a long and happy life after they die. But it's sort of similar in that sense that you're just kind of imposing your culture and ideals on another culture and ideals and saying, nah, you're wrong. And then using your power to basically change their culture.
1: Yeah, it, to us, that seems pretty abnormal and, you know, almost fucked up. Um mm. But, you know, again, like, we ha- we have no idea how those people would have actually felt about it. Exactly, um, yeah. And, yeah, it's like, and this is actually, the, the way this argument is evolving right now is, is parallel to the how the film explores this as well. Because if you remember, after that, Christian, he's like, he, he sort of takes a moment to reflect. And he's like, yeah, that was pretty fucked up, but, like, imagine like it from their view like they probably think how we treat our elderly is fucked up putting them in nursing homes and stuff yeah yeah but like again that that kind of reflection is still i don't know it's it's still a part of like that wokeness culture it's like the the other pole of it just being like overly accepting i don't know i don't know it's it's weird it's like should judgment be drawn somewhere or not
0: it, it's difficult right and that, that it's like yeah that's just a the gray fine line of all this kind of stuff about morals and ethics, which is why morals and ethics is such a difficult topic is because Mm. everyone just has different ideals. Like, yeah, you know, some people would say like, Oh, in a home invasion, you can kill whoever's invading your home because it's your home and they're invading your home. But in other places, some people completely disagree with that and say, you can't murder someone under any circumstances unless you're going to die, you know, and that's reflected in the laws of those countries and ideals in those cultures and you know like it's just hard to make a case against a culture that's so ingrained with looking at something a certain way and I think yeah I mean Midsummer is definitely about that to some degree like the Haga have their own weird culture and stuff like that and they foreigners do not accept it and yeah you're right so in other words accept people for who they are and accept cultures for what they are that's the moral of the story <laughs>
1: And don't rush to judgment, but also don't have a lack of judgment.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, There's a middle ground, people. You don't yeah. find it. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. you know, we're not saying that every culture is good and that, I don't know, what I can't think of an example or something really fucked up. But going out to kill someone because your culture says it's okay doesn't mean that it's okay. But yeah. in the same vein, just because something a little bit weird or you disagree with something from another culture, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. We've all got different cultures. The only exemption from that
1: is probably, like, if someone's a Nazi, you have the right to not think. (laughs) You can just label them as bad.
0: Yeah. (laughs) 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 I mean, yeah, I guess. (laughs) Trying to think of a a suitable argument, but... (laughs) I mean, there there were definitely some good Nazis, and and... As a disclaimer, that does not mean I am a Nazi, because people tend to do that. Like, <laughs> oh, you say something good about Nazis, you're a fucking Nazi, you hate Jews, blah, blah, blah. No. I mean, I can think of a good example, because you've probably seen the movie, Schindler's List. It's based on a Nazi who tried to save as many Jews as he could. Oscar Schindler.
1: Was was he a Nazi?
0: Yeah.
1: I thought he was just a German living in... Nah, Germany he was part the
0: of the Nazi party. He was like, That's why he wears a swastika armband the whole movie, but and, like, was in bed with SS. And Interesting. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. Yeah, like, he, he develops over the course of it into a good person. And I, I guess that's, a, like, a similar way of what we're talking about. It's kind of, like, he culturally understands what how fucked up Nazism is against Jewish people and then changes. And it, it's actually a good character arc based on a true story, so, yeah.
1: Mm. Well, yeah, actually, y- y- like, that's a pretty stupid thing for me to say, considering, <laughs> like... Uh, uh, like, that that's, I feel like that's what the whole film Jojo Rabbit is about, which is yeah. kind of, like, a commentary on people... Changing. ...that are, like, not willing to have a conversation about that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Y- yeah, 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 you're right, yeah. And I think Nazis are... It, actually, y- you raise a good point about Nazis, you know. Nazis is actually a good example of people who just instantly judge without any, f- like, thought into it, which... I, like I've already said, I'm not, you know, this is a real sensitive topic. So you've got to be careful what you say naturally, (laughs) but like, and I do not condone Nazism in any way. And, you know, but you know, like everything's got two sides to a story. So before you just go jump, jump on the bandwagon and judge something, you should actually look at both sides of the story for yourself, then make the judgment yourself rather than like do what most people do, which is just base their opinions on what other people think. You know, have a think for yourself, be independent. Don't be sheep,
1: yes, anyway, to yeah, to wrap that all up, it's just an interesting, I guess political contrast uh, that the film explored, yeah, that's actually yeah. a good
0: good, yeah, it is juxtaposes considerably, considering what the movie's about. Yeah, it doesn't seem political whatsoever.
1: there is this sense sometimes of the way of me making change is to be as judgmental as possible about other people and that's enough like if i tweet or hashtag about how you didn't do something right or used the word wrong verb or then i can sit back and feel pretty good about myself because man you see how woke i was i called you out
0: (laughs) so one thing i like about midsummer is that it's actually good quality horror it's horror that could win an award which I'm not the best person to judge horror movies, mainly because I have a severe lack of experience in that department. But the general kind of consensus on horror movies, at least the majority of them anyway, is that they're kind of poor quality. They're in there for the shock value. People watch it because it's got scary demons and shit that pop up and scare you. But, like, in terms of meaning in those films, there's not a great deal. I mean, what would you say, Pat? Have you watched many horror movies? Would you say that at all? Um, I'd say there are a lot of, like, just
1: trash horror films that are pumped out. And that, I feel
0: like a lot of people associate horror with those more than anything that's actually good horror.
1: Yeah, because that's the main audience. Like, yeah. And, you know, like, uh, something I was kind of ignorant to was that the majority of people don't watch as many films as we do. Um, th- like, I think the average person, they're, like, kind of bored on a Friday night. They're like, oh, yeah, you want to go watch a movie? Oh, yeah, that that new, like, horror film is out. You know, it's a, it's a fun Friday night kind of thing. Yeah. And, be, like, obviously we're super critical of it because we've seen it all before, but, like, I don't know, that's not, that's not what most people want, I think. But then again, there are, like, very clever horror films like this, and re- in the recent years there have been more and more of these coming out, and uh, I, I think there's there's a lot, there's a huge category for, for both type of audiences. Yeah,
0: it, it, it's definitely, I am definitely generalising slightly, but... Uh, horror movies traditionally were in it f- well they were created for the purpose of kind of like going bungee jumping it's like an adrenaline rush you know for the viewer i mean movies like that are like, action movies are like that as well in that sense that they're just there to keep you on the edge you see and and keep you frightened when it's over you're glad it's over kind of thing and that's all that's what horror movies are meant to do but i like midsummer because it's not just about that i mean certainly it is Horrific and has bits where you're like, wow, that's fucked, but it's also got a lot of meaning behind it. Now, this isn't some, this is definitely an Aster quality. He's very good at making a quality horror movie that actually says something about some theme or motif. And Hereditary is the first movie of his that actually does that. I mean, it is his first movie, of course. And the way that both movies are related in that sense is that they both explore the idea of trauma and depression. After trauma, you know, post-traumatic depression kind of thing. Um, in hereditary, Annie, the mother, she suffers from the trauma of the death of her mum, obviously, and her daughter. The daughter, when she gets her head smashed against the pole, they're driving a car. If you want to remember <laughs> that grisly scene, yeah, that was sick. Yeah, <laughs> um, I was yeah. So unexpected too. It, I know that 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 movie was, yeah, it, it, that was an unexpected scene, and and. She kind of has to deal with that loss over the course of the movie, and that's what we're dealing with, and and that's what it's saying. It's not it's not a horror movie, and and a lot of people kind of like kind of didn't really think about that aspect of it when they were judging the movie, but really it's saying a lot about post traumatic stress disorder and and how people grieve and stuff. And at the end, when we have our kind of equivalent cathartic scene, like our Aster seems to like to end with something cathartic, like a fin- a big finale. And that's when Annie ends up turning into the demon and gets possessed and shit and chases her son up the stairs and
1: chops her own head off.
0: Yeah, cuts her own head off. Oh, fuck, that that scene will like stick with me for a while. And a grandma sitting in the corner smiling. You could barely see her as well. <laughs> that was fuck. Um but but that could be seen as a as a representation of Annie's emotional snap. Because obviously those horror aspects, that scene itself is completely supernatural it can't be seen in the real world at all because none of that kind of shit happens, right? And people are kind of flagging it off like, "Oh, what's the point having this movie that explores all about her and her stress with dealing with her mother's death and her daughter's death and then suddenly we've just got this random supernatural scene at the end that kind of juxtaposes with the rest of it and doesn't make any sense. But now we kind of... It it makes the movie so much more significant. We remember it and memorise it a lot better because of that final scene. And I think it does a good job of just juxtaposing with the rest of the movie and actually kind of bringing to light what the whole point of the movie was, which is about dealing with trauma. And Midsummer is an identical thing. We go through the movie and, you know, obviously brutal things happen during the movie and the final scene is pretty cathartic as well. And it, it is overall a horror, me- horror film, but the whole point of it is exploring the emotional grief of danny and her separation from christian who's a dickhead and her getting over the fact that her sister and her parents are dead mm. and by the end of the movie we realize that she's gotten over that which is why she smiles in the very final 10 seconds of the movie because she's finally found a family that accepts her and she's gotten over her past and that's what the movie is about it's, it's exploring her journey and her journey of getting over the trauma that she suffered and i think it does a really good job of doing that rather than just being a typical horror movie you don't look at it too much as kind of that this at, at the shock value of it but think about as well danny's journey and what she's gone through and
1: have you seen any of uh, jordan peele's films get out in
0: us no i haven't yet yeah, so i need to watch those yeah
1: they're kind of in the same vein of those like clever horror movies you're talking about but those are kind of like in the extreme section of what you're talking about where like, you know, it's a horror, it's the plot is a horror film, but it's dressed up social commentary, right? Obviously it's about like being, they're both about being black in America um, as, as among other themes. But yeah, the, the thing about those films for me is that the, the social commentary is so heavy handed that it almost like overtakes the, the horror aspect of it. And that that's what I think Aster, Ari Aster does really well is that it's still a horror film, and it still makes you scared. Whereas like, Get Out and Us, I I didn't pretty much everything I saw was like, oh okay, so like, what's the subtext behind this? There's obviously, you know, commentating on some something. Yeah. Whereas with with uh, Midsummer and um, Hereditary, I was I was in the plot. I was with the characters.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that is a like in to some degree even though it doesn't flag out to you those that subtext about particular themes or whatever, it can, it can it, it's actually more effective in that sense of actually portraying those themes. Mm. And also it gives the movie more merit when you watch it a second time as well because the first time I think you're always going to be shocked by Asta's way of directing and the way he makes you feel nervous. I think that's an inevitability of his type of directing, right? Like you're not really going to be thinking about anything else, but there's so much more you can get from it from watching it a second or third time, which gives the movie well it makes the movie actually good in that sense because if if you can watch a movie a couple of times and you enjoy it every time, then it actually makes a movie good, but a movie you can only watch once can it sometimes loses its merit, you know like it, hmm. there's i I love the detail he has in this movie like there's so much just so much symbolism and so many little things to look out for as well like like if I wasn't scared, I'd definitely watch this a couple of times. Like, it's just so much stuff in it that you can look out for. Like, like, you know, like the whole period drink thing and the pubic hair and Christian's food, it's like none of... You don't actually see the girl doing it, you know? Like, you, you don't see anyone putting blood into his cup or putting the hair in the pie. But because you had that um, tapestry, that tapestry that describes the girl making the bloke fall in love with her, um, with her period and the pubic hair... with that you get the context of what's going on there but like otherwise you but you kind of got to look out for it you're like why is this drink slightly pinker (laughs) oh right it's not pomegranate juice it's fucking menstruation um and it's like it's cool you know in that sense like you've got all these things to look out for like so much symbolism in it i love it it's and i think that's what gives this horror movie merit it's like just this idea that it explores so many things and and uses a lot of different ways to represent those things that you can actually watch this movie over and over again and it kind of never loses its touch in a sense.
1: So are you just going to ignore the bear? What? It's a bear.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, <what's> the... <laughs>
1: I mean... <laughs> That's the audience trying to interpret this film. Yeah. And then Oscar being like, what? It's just a bear. What are you doing about?"
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it came to fruition in the end when they killed it. Yeah. Dressed all made up in it.
1: <laughs> he looked adorable in it. Well, Christian... Yeah, <laughs> it a bear costume. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> nah, it's good. Anyway, I think we should uh, wrap this up. We've been talking for a while. Uh, yeah, yeah. Very quickly, have you got any recommendations, Patrick?
1: I don't know. If you like horror, watch uh, The Shining. Well, actually, <laughs> I was thinking like Austin must be really inspired by Kubrick. Dude, this sh- um, the- just it. In the way that he likes to confuse his audiences.
0: Well, the scene where they're driving to the Haga village in the yeah, car. Yeah, it is very shiny, that was, it? it's, it's identical to the Shining opening scene where they're driving to the hotel. Should we do the Shining and Doctor Sleep? Dude, Doctor Sleep was trash. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen it? No. It is a fucking abomination of The Shining. A sequel to The Shining. It is so bad. It just became like fucking like... Semi X Men shit, and they were just flying around like trying to kill each other. I
1: see. Well, I'll I'll see for myself,
0: I guess. (laughs) Yeah, you should watch it. Only good boo was ewan McGregor. What have you been watching? Well, no horror, because that's not my jam. You know, I don't watch horror. But I've been watching Blade Runner actually, which yeah, (laughs) we're going to do a review on in several weeks. And yeah, uh, fuck we are. Yeah, if you're listening to this and you want a good movie to watch, watch Blade Runner 2049 and not the first one because that one sucks. Nah, Patrick Ooh. Patrick loves Blade Runner the first one and I was <laughs> seriously underwhelmed by such a classic. Um,
1: As everyone is the first time they watch it.
0: Yes, so I've been told, which means I should watch it a second time, but I don't know if yes. I can be bothered. <laughs> I probably will.
1: Yeah. have like a drink or something and watch it. Have a drink? <laughs> yeah. Like a scotch or something, like get a bit tipsy and then watch it. Fuck. And then you'll be in the mood.
0: Mate, what am I, an alco? Yeah. All right. Yeah, fair (laughs) enough. Yeah. Anyway, um, that brings us to the conclusion of this week's podcast on Midsummer. If you want to listen to more of our podcasts, uh, please listen to us on... YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud,
1: Stitcher, and iTunes.
0: Yep, those five, plus a bunch of other things that... I can't quite remember, but I'll maybe tell you next time, including Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, and some other peripheral podcasting listening software apps. Also visit
1: our website at amttm.com. If you have any inquiries, insights, opinions, criticism, anything you'd like to send to us, you can at mail at com.
0: Yeah. And we've just started a little new series. So we pop up on – it's it's – well – the series is called A Method to the Madness, colon, The Digression Collection. And there are a series of short, very, very short podcasts, like a quarter of the length of these ones. Very and basically unstructured. Very unstructured, very irregularly uploaded as well, about <laughs> just random things that don't necessarily have to be about film. It's just stuff we like to talk about, although a lot of it will be based on film. Um, a couple we put up now, we've done one on casting the call of duty zombies characters which was a very interesting one to do uh favorite film scores favorite opening tv credits and there'll be more to come so please have a look at that on the website um it does come up as a separate search term though on spotify just so you know yeah so i think that's the advertising portion of our podcast done um sweet thank you for listening next time we'll be reviewing marriage story the very completely different movie to midsummer but <laughs> equally as great. It is great it's pretty good it is uh, noah bornback's 2019 movie on the horrors of divorce rather than the horrors of crazy swedish cults <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah so if you're interested tune in for that next week otherwise thanks for listening and we'll see you next time see ya